DMB On Demand is a love letter written to the music of the Dave Matthews Band and the eclectic family that passionately supports them. Hello, and welcome to DMB On Demand, where we explore the music of DMB and the family therein. Take a seat, get comfortable, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Hey everybody, just a few notes before we get into today's content. We have 110 new designs that we just pushed to our Etsy shop. That brings the number of total custom DMB designs in our Etsy to over 150. Each one of them is unique and based around the lyrics of a song uh, from the music that we all know and love. For the new round of designs, I decided just to go with stickers and shirts. They seem to be the two best sellers. However, if you want a hoodie or a tank top or a tote bag, then just reach out and let me know. If you look at the show notes for this episode, there's going to be a link to all of the products we can place our designs upon. You pick the design, uh, you pick the product. We'll put the design on there, and you're good to go. But we're only doing that by request uh, this time. So our name is DMB On Demand, and the On Demand part really shines through in our designs in our Etsy shop. We like to personalize our designs whenever possible. So before you place an order on Etsy reach out via email or social media and let us know if you want any names, dates, lyrics, coordinates, whatever you may want on the design. And most often we can get that worked out for you and make the design completely custom fit to your needs. Let's see, what else? Um, oh, the tour starts this weekend. Man, it's been a long time since we had live shows and Fingers crossed we're able to, to keep going to live shows over this season and nothing gets canceled or postponed again. Um, originally, we were going to use the 2021 tour audio as a Patreon-only affair where our, our Patreon members would be able to download each show and listen to it, but we decided to open that up all the way to everybody, so you can head on over to dmbondemand.com and find the 2021 tour audio section, and if you scroll down, you'll see the different color codes for the statuses of each show. So bookmark that page and come back whenever you want to grab the latest show's audio. A lot of times we'll have that up the night of the show or the day after. It just depends on the turnaround of the tapers and how fast we can turn it around ourselves. but we will be hosting all the audio that comes up over the season. Uh, it'll be a one-click download via a Google Drive account. Lastly, I wanted to thank all of our new Patreon supporters that signed up this week. It's because of you that we're able to, to devote more and more time to these projects. Whether it be the podcast, the store, social media, the DMB Family blog, all of it. It's because of our supporters that we're able to devote the time needed to keep these projects going where they're going and at the level they are. Uh, just this past week, our Patreon members had access to 30 DMB Sirius XM shows, a top 100 live tracks compilation where we took the top 100 tracks from live tracks 1 through 50 and put them together with an explanation as why that song was chosen. 
and some DMB-based phone screen uh, lock parts and a discount code to use in our Etsy shop. So if you'd like to support us and get some great perks in return, head over to patreon.com slash dmbondemand to sign up and support us today. One more thing, DMB Boomerang is coming out in August. I'm not sure if this is just going to be bonus content during our off season or if we're going to run with this full time. Uh, but if you'd like to be on an episode of DMB Boomerang, simply reach out via email or social media. Basically, what the format will be is I'll sit down with one person and we'll start with one idea and one song, specifically a lyric from the song. And we'll discuss what that particular lyric and idea means to us. And then we'll kind of bounce around to the next lyric that we're guided to through the conversation and we'll discuss that for a little bit and then we'll see where that song leads us to and the goal is to try to explore how some of these DMB songs are all interconnected not just the lyrics themselves but the story behind the lyrics so if you'd like to come on for an episode just reach out to us and let us know and we can set up a time and date and some details on how to go about recording the episode So next week, we start to wrap up Season 3 with the first part of a three-part series with our buddy Scott. To say that he's lived a life of adventure and courage and variety is a serious, serious understatement. Be sure to tune in uh, for the final three episodes of Season 3 to hear Scott's interview. It's a story like you've never heard uh, through the prism of DMB music. And I think that's about it. So let's jump right into the content for this week's episode. I hope you enjoy. Before we get to the interview, we'll take a moment to discuss some DMB history and news. We will have links to all information presented in the notes section of the episode on dmbondemand.com. Hey guys, it's Bridget with some DMB history. Um, you can find me on Twitter at brihal4457. Um, picking up from last episode, by 1997, DMB reached unparalleled levels of popularity across the United States and to some degree the world. On October 28, 1997, the band released their first full-length live album, Live at Red Rocks, 81595. The album, which was recorded at the Red Rocks Amphitheater in Morrison, Colorado, featured popular songs from the band's first three albums and included longtime collaborator Tim Reynolds on electric guitar. In late 1997, the band returned to the studio with producer Steve Lillywhite and an array of guest collaborators, including Reynolds, banjoist Bella Fleck, vocalist Alanis Morissette, future touring band member Butch Taylor, Chapman stick player Greg Howard, and the Kronos Quartet. They composed and recorded Before These Crowded Streets, their third album with RCA, which was released on April 28, 1998. The album represented a great change in direction for the band as they did not rely on upbeat hit singles to carry the album. Stay, Wasting Time, an uplifting gospel number, and Crush, a love ballad, became very popular tracks along with the lead single, Don't Drink the Water. Before These Crowded Streets was an instant commercial success with over 900,000 albums sold worldwide in the first week. As of 2018, there have been over 21 million copies sold worldwide. 
During the summer, the band took part in the Woodstock 99 concert and then released their third live album, Listeners Supported, in the fall. The album, a live recording, used a show performance at the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey on September 11, 1999 for a PBS television special. The album was also released as the band's first DVD. The year also provided two more Grammy nominations. From their recent album, they earned another Grammy Award for Best Rock Album nomination for Before These Crowded Streets and a Grammy Award for Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals nomination for the song Crush. Tune in next week for the continuation of DMB history from DMB On Demand. Thanks, guys. Each week, we have an intimate conversation with a member of the DMB family. We explore how the music of Dave Matthews Band and the deep bonds within the DMB family have shaped their life. We come to realize that while each story is unique and the family as a whole is diverse, we are sewn together by one common thread. The members of Dave Matthews Band and the people who make up the DMB family are simply people who love. We hope you enjoy this week's interview. So, if you haven't listened to the previous week's episode, I suggest that you stop right here and now, and you go back to last week's episode with Joshua and listen to the interview portion. And at the end of the interview portion, I break down a story that was a complete and utter blow to my love of DMB. Uh, Something happened that completely took the wind out of my sails. And where we ended it last week was somebody, amidst all this chatter in my head, this negativity from what happened to me, all, all of that constant frustration and sadness and hurt it just it broke through all of that and replaced it all with love there was a guy on my twitter we've spoken a few times over the years we've been in each other's orbit for years and i know him to be a very solid reputable person inside of the dmb family and he had an extra ticket for saturday and He was trying to get Jake Tapper, uh, the news correspondent, who's also, if you didn't know this, guys, Jake Tapper, um, major news correspondent, huge, huge DMB nerd. So if you follow him on Twitter, you'll get the the daily news updates. But every now and then you'll get an occasional DMB nerd out, which is fantastic. Um, So he was this guy was trying to get Jake Tapper to go to the show. Be like, hey, I got an extra ticket. If you want to go, it'd be great to hang out with you, so on and so forth. And Jake Tapper just d- didn't see it or whatever. Couldn't get a reply. And so he said, if you can find a, a ticket for night two, I have one ticket for night two and would be interested in making sure you're, you're able to get – at least one of you able to get to the show. I asked him how much, so on and so forth. Um And then that was kind of where I left it hanging until, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes later, I get these crazy notification uh, dings from Twitter. Like it's going nuts on my phone. So finally, I get a a moment to sit down. I log in on my laptop because I want to dig into whatever these notifications are. And this, this guy, he tagged me on a 
on a post in Twitter and it was a video and I'll put a link to this video inside the notes section of this episode. Uh, I've never experienced So I've, I've been a part of the DMB family for a while and I've been part of the love that goes into that. And we've done like Christmas gift exchange. We've done helping one of our DMB family members for Christmas. Like I've been a part of the love that's in the DMB family, but I've never been the recipient of it. Yeah. At least not directly where the whole machine is aimed right at me with its bright light of love. And that's what this video did. This guy starts talking and, and I don't know if he wants his name used. That's why I'm using this guy, him and he, uh, I don't want to put his name out there if he doesn't want it. Um, but he, he makes this short video about how something happened to me. One of the DMB family members that tries to contribute to the family as much as he can. And it's a shame and a pity and so on and so forth. So what I'd like to do is, offer them my two tickets and I'll buy a third if I can and go if possible. That's awesome. Holy shit. That's awesome. So the guy just gives me two tickets out of nowhere. Good tickets too. Not that that matters, but uh, good tickets gives them so my wife and I can go and instantly erases like the doubt I was having. It, it, I can't even, I can't explain the level of doubt that I had. And I also can't explain how quickly and how highly that doubt rebounded yeah. into gratitude and love. Yeah. Uh, so that is now the, if somebody asked me, what is the DMB family from here on out? That's the story I tell them. Uh, it, it very clearly explains what is hard to explain. And that's the love and DMB family. And I've often said before, that the biggest difference between DMB, real DMB fans and not is the ones, and I hate to say real versus fake. I, I don't mean that the way it sounds, but the fake ones, I hate using that word, but the fake ones listen to the music. The real ones yeah. listen to the music and then apply the music in their life. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that, that's the biggest thing for me is, is we're a family that listens to this music and applies it in our life. And because of that, we are of benefit to others in our life, regardless of the DMB fandom. We are just of benefit in that regard because the music is what guides us. It's our liturgy. Uh, so with that being said, mm -hmm. that was a long, long way to get to the next question. <laughs> that is a long, that's a, that's a, a 10 minute wait and then a whole week <laughs> wait, and then another five minute wait. But, uh, <laughs> just to get to this question, what is the DMB family to you? What the <laughs> <laughs> all right. So first of all, that's not fair. <laughs> you dropped that amazing, amazing story. <laughs> because I, I remember reading that and I was one of the 80% saying, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, and I, I, I was so bummed for you. And, uh, and I, I, I actually had a feeling and that it was going to come back to you. Right. And it did. And <laughs> so I, I'm actually thrilled for you, but at the same time, I, I can't top that <laughs> because right, no, that's a tough one to top. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and I haven't been in that situation. Um, I have been gifted 
tickets. Uh, there was, I, I forget what year it was. I was, I think he was either in grad school or, uh, I was, it was a moment when I was broke college student, whether it was undergrad or grad, someone gifted me tickets. I was, I was, I walked to the show or went to the show in faith, no tickets. And, uh, my buddy, Sean Riley from, from, from college, he's like, I think, I, I think we can get you some. And he just, he had a friend that just gifted me tickets. And, um, and you know, I, so I have been in that recipient. I had the, uh, also, I, but not your, not at that level. I, I remember at the gorge one year, this one lady was looking for tickets She's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll pay triple. Just l- let me get him. I said, no, you're gonna pay face value. Like you're not gonna. Nice. Yeah. And 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 she and she's. I, I saw her on Facebook like recently. And mind you, I was at the Gorge four years, five years ago, and I, I just I haven't reconnected with her. Uh, and honestly, if you were to ask me, is this the person? I wouldn't even remember. Uh, but I just saw her. Uh, she had a post and I liked it. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember her from the gorge, and I sold her tickets at face, and uh, and so like, it, it's so hard to describe to me what, and I love what you described. It's people who feel the music and also try to be that for other people, um, because you know I have like like my friend, like our friend. Uh, Dee Marie Lewis here. She's like another sister to me. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I met her at a show and, um, and it, it's only been five years, but she's like best friends with my wife. And, uh, and heck, her and I talk Marvel stuff all the time. We just saw Black Widow together with a couple other friends. Ooh, I just saw that yesterday. Wow. And I Amazing, amazing, it's so good, and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. But for those listening, uh, don't go into the show with expectations of understanding every detail of her past. Exactly. Yes, but it's also forward thinking, um, and I think I could share this. It was written before Infinity Wars and Endgame, so that's where yeah. you put it in the timeline. And I'm gonna. Stop there about Black Widow. I don't, I don't know the the name of the actor, but the the father's name, who's also in Stranger Things. Yeah, Stranger that, Things. That guy. Yeah, that man is Phenomenal. amazing. That's all I'm gonna say. He's amazing. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, you know, there's other people too, like uh, Melissa Aquine. She's she's up in Boston, uh, and um, I, and her and I have been following each other through the DMB poster people and poster collectors since back in the day. And she's, she's like a sister to me, uh, Corey shade. Uh, he's, you know, a guy from Indiana, but lives, uh, you know, I've only met him a few times, but, um, I met him in DMB poster people. And then, then he, he and a couple others introduced me to, uh, Spusta, Mark Spusta, Spusta studios, and so it's like I, there's all these good people that come into my life, and then we start sharing other depths of life, like D with uh, Marvel and Corey with Spusta, uh, and Melissa. She's been, and I introduce her one of my closest friends, uh, who's huge into Panic, and she's moving down to see. Uh, she's moving down in South Carolina to live near him, and so it's it's crazy. I mean. 
Kenny Smith is another buddy of mine who um, coincidentally grew up r- right near you, Drew, uh, in n- northern Indiana. And um, and Kenny's been just a, a – he's lived in Arizona, and I've known him for, I don't know, seven, eight years, but I've yet to meet him. But him and I could text and chat, randomly catch up without missing a beat. Uh, Kenny Blair is another buddy of mine. We've now gotten from DMB Music, DMB Posters, Spusta, uh, Spusta Art, Mark Spusta, and now Bourbon. So it's like, <laughs> and <laughs> and I are going to the Kentucky show. Oh, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt, but speaking, and I don't want to forget. Um, speaking of Bourbon, I when we get done today. Yes. Please remind me to send you uh, something I made for you that that is Uh bourbon related. It's bourbon related and and DMB related. So just remind me. Look, you're you're doing the family thing right there. Like I didn't even know you did that. That's so awesome, (laughs) right? Uh, Go ahead, Kenny. uh, Kenny Blair. He. uh, I, I was. My wife was doing some work in Jacksonville, and. He said, hey, I'm in Jacksonville. Why don't you come over for a bourbon night? So I came over. God, I was up to like two or three in the morning with him. We we were drinking bourbon, but we were playing Dave Matthews for like at least an hour or two uh, with he and his brother. Uh, and his brother JD and I are now good buddies. And JD, Kenny, and I are all going to Kentucky for the DMB show and bourbon. So like later this year. And we're so pumped. That's in August, I think. Uh, but, you know, I mentioned Phil Kucinovich and Tyler Anderson. There's so many, like, different stories from different people. Um, and, um, and uh, yeah, it's my brother's been, my brother Jeremy's been at several shows with me, some epic shows. Uh, he was, he was down to, uh, uh, we did do the caravan. Oh, I, t- to go back, you had mentioned another favorite show. Uh, this just sparked the thought. The Piedmont Park show here in Atlanta. Uh, my buddy, Andy Rector, God bless his soul. Um, he He's no longer with us. But he used to work for Boyd Tinsley. And he got me backstage passes for that show. And there's a picture of me and Carter's sister somewhere going A-Town down. Uh and that was like an epic emotion, but I didn't know it was her until like after the show. It was kind of cool. So I'm like just goofing off backstage with, I don't know. There, there wasn't many people backstage. Maybe it wasn't, it was like a side stage, not necessarily backstage, but it was considered backstage passes uh, because it's in the middle of a park. There's no, there wasn't a stage. There was a platform they played on. Uh, But yeah, there's like maybe 50 some people and, just goofing off with all of them, having a good time, and um, you know, you know, Robert Taylor in North Carolina, who's also huge in the DAB um, posters as well. Uh, you know, I've known him for I feel like a long time. Uh, one time, he left a camera down here in Atlanta at at the hotel he was staying at. And it was a really expensive camera. I drove it halfway to meet him and said, Hey, I'll go get this camera for you. Uh, he wasn't, he was concerned about shipping. And so, and it's like, Hey, I totally get it. I, I'd rather something like that. I would totally drive it halfway for you. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, there's been great moments. Yeah. I, I referred to my friend, my sister, Melissa Aquine, uh, 
my first gourd show or my, I guess my only gourd show, um, she helped me get into her campsite and there were tons of great people that were, uh, cooking and having a good time and playing music. These were random people I just met for the first time. So I, that was probably another great emotional uplift, if you will, of just random people being true, being kind, good people, uh, treating others with respect. And um, they, they they even brought an extra tent for me so I wouldn't have to uh, carry it on the plane. I didn't have – I mean, um, it was so – it's so amazing. So it's so hard to quantify uh, what it means or the experiences because they continue to grow, you know? So it's, uh, yeah. I, I know I dropped a lot of names, but there's, there's so many people that uh, can influence your, your um, position and how you look at things in different arenas. And, um, and those are some good people that have positively, uh, Encourage. No, that was the perfect um, frame for the for the answer. And just to kind of speak a little bit more on the positivity for those who aren't um, in the DMB family that are listening to this. There's <clears throat> sorry. There's a song called "I Did It," and in that song, there's a lyric that says, "Make a bomb of love, blow it up." Yeah. And a lot of members of the DMB family take that message to heart and they've created what is now referred to as love bombs and mm-hmm. love bombs will be packages given out at concerts or mailed to people. And it just has DMB stuff in it. It could be bracelets. It could be stickers. It could be lyrics. It could be a handwritten personal letter, but it, it all comes from the message of the music and it's all intended to be purely love through the the prism of the music. And so just to give you an idea of the scope of this kind of stuff that goes on, uh, one of my friends, uh, Vicki Brown, she is an admin in the DMB family. And um, we were talking a little bit, and then a couple others that are involved with her were talking about love bombs they're getting ready to make. <clears throat> and I said, hey, could I maybe print some business cards and just have like – the name of my website on one side and then just what we do on the back, the podcast, you know, the store, the blog, the whole nine um, and put them in there. She said, yeah, absolutely. And I started thinking that that'd be a good idea to, to mail some of those to my friends around the country. And when they go to their live venue, their live shows, just to hand them out. And that way we get more eyes on the podcast all around the country. So good idea. We're going to chase it. But back to the original point, yeah. uh, I asked, I asked her how many, you know, should I be planning on ordering to send you? And I was thinking like 50, maybe a hundred tops. She said, we have a thousand love bombs going to DC and gorge alone. Wow. Holy hell. Wow. Thousand. Do you know the time and money that takes? Holy crap. So of course I, yes, I'll get a thousand of them, but that's just to give you a scale. Like this stuff is real and it happens on a big scale. What, what Josh and I are talking about is not the exception to the rule by any means. It it is the standard when it comes to DMB family. Um, 
so I just thought that was a, a nice way to kind of shine a light on how real that is and how active it is. And, and it's just an amazing thing to be a part of. I'm, I'm very, very thankful to be a part of that and uh, any part. So keeping along the same kind of vibe and energy, mm-hmm. speaking of, of positive things, can you think back to maybe the best moment of your life? And in that moment, was there a DMB song that spoke to you? Or maybe if not, looking back, you know, you've heard a song that, that really goes with that moment or gives it some, some deeper meaning. Yeah. I, uh, um, I think early in life, uh, or early in my DMB career, <laughs> it's funny to consider, uh, listening to a band for 26 years of career. <laughs> But, uh, uh, there was a, um, I remember when I first started playing guitar and playing through that unearned table and dreaming album. And then I started learning how to play lover lay down. It's like, you know what? I'm going to reserve this song for a long, long time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to share this with somebody. Right. And I'm, I'm so glad I like I was very nervous about sharing certain songs with certain people um, because that person, the emotion of that person could be attached to that song. And if that, that person is, you know, not in your life, let's say like a first girlfriend, uh, you know, you don't, I, I was very uh, purposeful and not associating too many songs because I wanted the songs to be, maybe selfishly for me and whoever liked those songs as well, but I didn't want them to be so attached. Um, and that's, that's smart. Actually. I, I wish I would have thought of that back in the day. Cause I started to attach songs to people really young. Yeah. In my fandom, and yeah. it's kind of hard to break away from that. It, it is. And, um, you, you know, there was a song, uh, just, just a couple, uh, actually last year, uh, the song sister was reserved for, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine, uh, um, you know, she, she, she was, she was like a sister until, uh, some not so great things happened. So it's like, uh, I'm like still, still healing for that song. Uh, you know, that person was married to uh, her. They're no longer married. And so I'm still healing from that song. Uh, and so I, I, I don't, tur- I don't listen to it. I actually turn it if it comes on, uh, cause it's not, a, a pretty song to me right now. Uh, but it was the first girlfriend who I was, I think crashed into me. It was like, it was so big at the time. And I think I did it. It's associate that one to her and, uh, I'm, you know, but not too much. Uh, so to answer your question, your question, I was very purposeful, uh, not doing it too much. Um, and, um, but you know, my wedding day was by far the happiest day of my life. Um, and, um, th- there were, there were, we actually associated a, uh, uh, a Christian song from Matthew West who hit lyrics, um, uh, for, for those that are, uh, lyricists, um, is um, amazing. Um, and the song is, um, uh, when I say I do. Now, and the lyrics on that are, and my wife found the, the, the song and I'm, I, uh, pride myself on 
being more of a mu- music person than her, but she is a music person. Not going to take away from that for Lori, but uh, she found this song and I thought, oh my God, this is better than any Dave Matthews song for our wedding day. So yeah, uh, when my wife and I were dating and then getting got engaged, uh, You and Me was our song because we can get through it together. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but, so, but there wasn't a, you know, the Matthew West song, When I Say I Do, is uh, that is more powerful than any other DMB lyric out there for a marriage, uh, especially our marriage. Uh, so my wife found that. I don't know if I'm repeating myself or you caught that, uh, but the uh, so yeah, there's. But there's times I will associate to what I've experienced uh, songs. So, um, but yeah, there's I, I've kept uh, from that first experience, girlfriend breaking your your first girlfriend breaking your heart, and everyone has a heart heartbreaking story and. You know, the song, uh, we talked about this last time, um, the um, Halloween helped me get over her. <laughs> so on the opposite, I've <laughs> used positively uh, some music to get over things, right? Uh, so so kind of funny. So I don't, but sometimes I do have an association but now when I hear the song Halloween, I don't associate to that, that first girlfriend back in high school or whatever, right? <laughs> I just hear Halloween, and it's, I mean, it's fun. Okay, so we're going to try something new this yep. episode. Um, like I said at last week's episode, this is a re-record. We had some issues with the audio sync, so we're re-recording this episode. And because of that, I didn't want to stick strictly to the questions that were already asked. So we're trying a little different uh, this episode. And if if it comes across the way I think it's going to come across, um, uh, we may end up keeping this feature. It's going to be called Three and Three. First, we're going to inquire about three songs that best sum up the guest as a whole. And then I'm going to read three lyrics one at a time, and the guest will explain what those lyrics mean to them. Love it. Uh, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll try to keep it a little more on the brief side for the explanations since this could end up being a long segment in all. Uh, but I think I think it'll be a good way to explore that DMB fandom. So the first part of three and three, if you were to pick three songs – um, and you don't necessarily need to go too in-depth on why. You can briefly if you want. But if you had to pick three songs to where if you know those songs, if you know the message of those songs, that is to know you. What three songs best sum up Joshua Wilson as a whole? Mm. Well, I'm definitely going to start with the best of what's around uh, because I want to be and also emulate that song. Um Definitely, you never know. Uh, the lyrics in there are um, just so profound and give hope to future. And at that, there, that song helped me make a decision that changed the course of my life uh, because I was debating um, uh whether going to grad school or moving, uh, moving somewhere else, uh, for someone, for someone, 
And I chose uh, the harder lesson. Um, and a lot of times in life, the harder lessons are the better ones. Um, and um, I, I knew deep down that that person, I was, I wasn't ready to admit it. And I think sometimes in our lives, we have that uh, moments where you're like, they're really great people, but I don't know if I should continue dating or being with that person. And I chose to go to grad school and you never know, help me uh, solidify that decision. Um, uh, you know, and later on we, we try to make things work and ultimately didn't. And, you know, now being married, that person would have been not the best person for me at all. There's no doubt my, my bride is, is, perfectly crafted for me. Uh, so here we're both lucky guys to be able to say that truly blessed. And my wife lets me go to crazy shows across the country uh, <laughs> and, and uh, allows me to collect uh, a lot of posters. I probably have over a hundred easy. Oh, wow. E- of just Dave Matthews. Hey, and- quick, quick little question. Since I'm, I'm new to live shows. If I'm going to Irvine this year, both nights, and I want to get there early enough to grab a poster, what's a good time frame to be able to get one before they sell out on gener- in general? Before the gates open. Okay. Okay. You have to be there. You have to be standing in line before the gates open. Uh, and then everyone either bum rushes to their uh, pit seats or they bum rush to the, uh, the poster booth. And honestly, with the with COVID last year, I've seen more and more and more and more people get into the art artistry of things, and so it's going to be uh, the best word to use is shit show uh, for okay. poster lines all year long. Yeah, obviously, uh, I'm I'm really big into to graphics. That's what I do. So I, the posters are something that that definitely it's something that I definitely want to get from both nights. So thanks yeah. for the heads up there. All right, so back to the yeah. uh, three songs. But by the way, I do want to uh, one of your graphics you made last year, two years ago. It was a moon. There was it's a beautiful moon moon landscape. Uh, I'm gonna uh, message you the picture, and I want to get I want to like frame it somehow. Uh, so anyways, oh, absolutely. We can it, do one or two. We can do one of two things. We can either, yeah, we can either. I, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, you do. We can we can either uh, send that through Printful, which is who I use for all my designs, put on shirts and mugs and blah blah blah. Yeah. Uh, I can either go for a print there, or I can just make a high DPI version of it and send it to a Walgreens for poster print, and you just pick up the poster at a Walgreens. So either one. Uh, well, I also want because it's your graphic. I also want to pay the artist for their their good work because it's it's so beautiful and it speaks to me. Yeah, sure, we can definitely work something out, but uh, okay. I can absolutely make that happen for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the third song to go back to that. Uh, th- that's a tough one because that's the one that morphs and changes sometimes. I think the last time we talked about this was uh, Drunken Soldier. I still want to put that up there. Um, but you might die trying has always been motivational for me as well. Um, but it's, it's so hard. Um, that, I mean, lie in our graves as well. It's, I mean, there's so many different songs that's motivational that, um, sends me in a positive course. Um, 
but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to drunken soldier because the, the lyrics in there, um, you know, it's, it's almost like carpe diem, right? That's that whole song could be boiled to that phrase. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. And in the way he, uh, sings and writes it and you know going back to how he writes it's almost opposite of how i think sometimes um and not just from a positively perspective but how he places words in there at the time he places it i'm like i would have never thought to place that word there uh and he and he's 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 a genius he's a he's a brilliant genius uh, one one of the questions we usually ask is, you know, it, it's kind of tough out there for pe- for some people right now with COVID and maybe losing their job or having to readdress how they are parenting. Like, there's there's a whole bunch, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, tough out tough time out there for people, regardless of the COVID situation. Um, if you were to sit down and and play them one song with drunken soldier be that song what what message is that song to you uh i'm I'm gonna go with you never know out of the darkness comes light like a flash you think you can you think you can you can sometimes that is a problem dream now i know he says dream little darling dream but i i want to put a period on the dream yeah because um so many times we put things on hold or pause to just get through the junk of the day. And, and it's hard to focus sometimes when you're going through the hell of life. And my wife and I experienced, you know, we all experienced those, right? Um, and it's how you take that mess and propel yourself. And sometimes we're spinning on the wind, the leaf fell from a limb, but every day should be a good day to die. Now that is so hard to personify, but to, all right, am I making the best of my day today? And if I am, and one of my old mentors, uh, one of my fraternity mentors, he said, if you could lay your head on the pillow today and say you did your best work, that's all that matters from a work perspective. And I thought that's, that's good. And, and that motivates me still today, but you know, um, just saying, I think I can, I think I can, it does change. There is a thing where uh, you can change the thought patterns in your brain. And uh, for, uh, for people who are naturally more pessimistic, you're probably cussing me out right now. And I'm totally okay with that. Uh, because uh, I've for over two decades been focusing on trying to be positive and gear my negative thoughts. And to me, I, I feel the enemy of our, our life who comes to steal and kill and destroy our dreams, our desires, our, our passions. He does it in our brain and he does it by telling us, no, you're not capable. You're not worthy. and so, um, so how can we change that? Um, it's telling ourselves, I think I can for me. Um, I'm a Christian. I pray. Um, I want God to intercede in my life. Uh, you know, I want him to make it easier. 
the Bible says uh, he will make straight our paths. Now, he also says he there will be dark days, but he will make straight our paths. And so um, so the enemy of our lives continues to challenge us, but he does it in the same way every single time. So if you find yourself tripping over the same thing, that's a pattern that the enemy has placed in your life. But if you know that, if you can cognitively say, oh, I've tripped up here or here or here, and it's the same way, now you can disrupt that that pattern that the enemy is trying to steal from you, right? Whether it's stealing your joy or whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, I, it's a, but you never know um, because the, the song comes from a perspective of, like what's going to happen next, right? Um, but for those who um, are like, oh, it, nothing ever goes my way. Well, you never know. What if it does? So that that's just that's a little my personal like heart of what I believe and how the music kind of morphs into. Where I where I think and believe, uh, so I, I went really deep there with a lot of different things. Uh, but <laughs> Drew, your thoughts? No, I mean it all. It all makes sense to me. I, I like the breakdown of you never know. Um, we're about ready to start a bonus podcast branch off. Yet another iron in the fire for <laughs> DMB yeah. on demand. Um, it's going to be called DMB Boomerang and. Basically, I'm going to be bringing on past guests to get caught up with their story, and I'll also be bringing on new guests. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with one song and one lyric, and we're going to just discuss what that lyric means to our life, and then we're going to let that conversation guide us to the next song and lyric and the next. And then towards the end, we'll sort of loop it back around to the original song, lyric, and meaning uh, to complete the DMB boomerang. And, you know, when I hear you break down, you never know, my cylinders instantly start firing on that, thinking that that would be a great song to start off with and then see how it branches out and then bring it back. With that being said, I think this is a good time to switch into the second gear of the three for three and talk about some lyrics and what they mean to you. Uh, since we're doing three different sets of lyrics, I'll just ask that you kind of keep it concise. Um, so it, it uh, goes in depth as you need to, but keep in mind that we're doing three whole lyrics. So there's, right. there's going to be a lot more story. And, and right. also if you walk away feeling like you didn't share enough, don't worry. Cause you're definitely going to be one of the, the people I bring back for the DMB boomerang. And we can, always, we can always flush out, um, you know, <laughs> songs there too so <laughs> the first the first song i want to to read you the lyrics to is from raven um mm. so i'm going to read the lyric and then you just kind of explain it doesn't even need to be what it means to you it's just what's the message of of that line um so the first one is this what have you got in your hand your secret's safe with me well i found the truth friend let me whisper in your ear Take good care of it, please. It's the only one there is. Can I twist it, please? Can I give it just a little twist? Wow. Um, that's a good one. So, 
so truth, can I give it a little twist? It's there'll be times when your truth is tested and how will you stand that test? And, um, you know, the coronavirus is a great example. Uh, all of our lives have changed. Um, and it, there was a moment I thought, this is a worldwide pandemic. We are all going through this the same, uh, at the same time. We're all experiencing it differently. And for those of my friends, um, that have lost their, lost loved ones during this, and I'm very sorry to bring up that emotion. Um, Kevin Reich is a, a buddy of mine, um, who's big in the poster world. Uh, he, he lost his, his father. And, um, and so taking that example, you know, his dad taught him some great truths and Kevin's a great man. And so I know his dad was a, a great man too. Um, so just and not to give his example at all. And I'm, and this is me speaking, but whatever truth that we have, um, you know, what are we doing with that? And who are we positively impacting with that? Fantastic. All right. So the, the next uh, lyric is going to be, uh, let's go with the dreaming tree. I think that's a good one. Um, the dreaming tree I've listened to a thousand times. I understand the lyrics, but I've yet to understand the actual core meaning of the dreaming tree. So I'm always intrigued to hear people's thoughts on the dreaming tree. So the lyric I'd like to have your thoughts on are, if I had the strength to, I would leave you up to your own devices. Will you not talk? Can you take pity? I don't ask much, but won't you speak, please? Yeah, th this lyric, I always thought that Dave is coming from a place of pain and he's wanting help through it. But I'm going to give you what I can, your own devices. Um, but remember at the end of the day, I'm going through this. Please help me. Um, this is actually one of my good friends, uh, Samantha Hudson's favorite song. Um, and, um, and I always thought this song was such a morose, sad song that can, that leaves a little bit of hope at the end. And so it, 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 it it's almost that a place of pain he's coming from. Uh, and, um, and when you're going through that pain, it's almost like, Hey, I'm there with you. Like when I hear that song, uh, whatever pain you're in, I'm, I hear comfort from Dave saying, I'm, I'm, I've experienced pain too. I'm here with you. And so that, uh, it's kind of going back to the pandemic example, like we're all in this together. Um, but we need a personal touch, someone to give us a hug, someone's to say, it'll be all right. Um, you know, we'll get through this. Like when I, that's what I hear when I hear this, these, this lyric. Really well said. So our final lyric is actually not from a Dave Matthews song. It's from a Daniel Lenoir song. Yeah. Yeah. Going back, to, going back to our conversation about singer-songwriters, right? Yeah. Uh, man, Daniel Lenoir, I can't – listen, I'm not going to explain anything. You've heard our reactions just from those two names. Do yourself a favor. Dig into Daniel Lenoir. 
uh, L-A-N-O-I-S, Daniel Lenoir, yeah. great producer, has produced some amazing albums over the years, great singer-songwriter. Um, and one of the songs that he sings is covered by DMB, or Dave Matthews, most often Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. Uh, and it's a song that, frankly, as much as I love Daniel Lenoir, I think Dave and Tim deliver it in such a way that it hits my heart a little easier. And that song is called The Maker. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the final lyric for the three for three, I'm going to throw at you is this. I could not see for the fog in my eyes, and I could not feel for the fear in my life. But from across the great divide and a distance, I saw light. John Baptist walking to me with the maker. Mm. Well, goosebumps just reading it. Yeah. Uh, well, it, what I find interesting uh, is it's the French spelling of Jean Baptiste. Uh, I wonder why. Um, anyways, um, to me, that lyric speaks of my Savior Jesus and um, and who He is to me and to um, to the world. And, um, you know, undying grace that forever frees us. And, uh, you know, we just had July 4th and July 4th to me is, um, you know, we, we talk of our independence from England and that whole history, but, uh, real freedom is the one that Jesus gives us to be free from sin. And that song speaks of a personal um, connection to um, to who Jesus is and uh, the personal growth in, in faith. And it's not always a simple one, but Jesus says, uh, take my yoke, it is easy. And, um, you know, so many times... Uh, you know, churches or people will mess up the message of Jesus, but his message is, is true. It's love. And, uh, he came to, uh, you know, forgive us, um, cause we we're born in a world of pain and hurt and, uh, true freedom comes from him. So when I think of July 4th, um, uh, and, and this song too, it, it talks of a personal relationship with him. Um, and, he, he is my, my maker. Uh, so that's, uh, that this song speaks of that to me. You know, I've always liked curious things. I like, <clears throat> I like things that have a question mark on them. I like perspectives from a different angle. I always have. And I'm actually working on this, this piece, this, creative writing piece for the DMB blog that we have. And um, it's from this song, essentially. And the way I'm viewing the story is directly from that song. So here's a guy who he calls Jap John Baptiste by his name. So he knows of John the Baptist. He knows yeah. who he is. Yeah. Um, and his life is bent and broke. So the, the perspective I'm taking isn't from Christ and it isn't from John Baptist. It's from the writer, the, the man, the writer, the sinner yeah. standing at the banks of the Jordan and yeah. seeing that, oh my God, here comes Christ and John Baptiste. It's about to go down. Oh my. 
And the songs kind of frame through that vision of, oh my, you know, here they come. It's about to go down. The ministry is about to start and what that means to him as a man. And uh, so kind of, kind of the same thing you're saying there about that relationship. And I just think it's a really interesting viewpoint of that moment in time um, Mm -hmm. to see it from the eyes of a human being, a man who is just serving as a witness to what's about to happen. And uh, I think discussing this, I've I've been working on this for quite some time. I think discussing is going to finally get me to push it over the edge and get it done. So I, I really appreciate your your viewpoint on on the maker and uh there again i would love to speak on and dmb boomerang love to speak on this song and then spiral it out to whatever song comes next and then the one after that and uh but with that being said we're going to wrap up go ahead yeah real quick uh, you know you sparked a thought too that the the writer is uh, coming from the perspective of watching it happen. Well, the writer then also knows that that instance where uh, John the Baptist was going to um, baptize Jesus, that was prophesied against. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, sure was. So, so um, the, the Jews at the time knew that that was going to happen. So it's, you know, the, um, there were, Man, I'm going to butcher it, but there were uh, hundreds of prophecies about Jesus that were all fulfilled, and no man in history has ever done any of that. Yep. Uh, no man in history has done three. Now, Jesus has done over hundreds. And so it's it's so fascinating to dig into just that perspective of, yeah, I knew it was coming, and wow, this is history. I never even thought of that, to be honest with you, man. That that just opened up a whole new floodgate of the fact that he's yeah. been taught this since he was a child. Like he, Absolutely. he, he the Pharisees and Sadducees, they, they knew this was hap- going to happen, and oh, wow, yeah, I never even thought about that layer or that, that yeah. different depth of the perspective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. I got, I got goosebumps. Yeah, same here, man. Seriously. Um, all right, so going back to talking about the DMB family and the fandom and how um, the people who are part of the family are the people who hear the message of the music and then do something with it. In your opinion, when you shake down all of the different songs of the DMB catalog and you you narrow that down, you boil it down to its base. Yeah. What's the base message of the music of DMB? It's certainly it's certainly love and uh loving and respecting everybody. Um and and you know not all of us get that right all the time. That's why I'm so thankful for the grace and forgiveness that Jesus gives me because I'm, I'm not perfect I re- and no one ever will be. But, uh, you know, there's times I don't deserve it and I, I get something anyways. And that's that's grace. Um, but, yeah, it, it does boil down to love and respecting um, each one another. And so it's um, it's. That is the essential message. Does it always come out? Not always. Um, you know, it's, we've all seen, and you shared a situation earlier that, you know, someone swindled you and that, that sucks, but you know, love did triumph in the end on that one. And, and love will always win. 
So that's, that's a great uh, example that you gave earlier. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big favorite of uh, short statements. Um, just you can count them in words and you just kind of mentioned one that I really, really love. And it's really simple. It's love wins. And yeah. it's <laughs> if you can believe in that and you can put your life's effort into that idea of love winning, uh, you're going to be so much more enriched and blessed than, than you can imagine. But you have to really believe it. It can't be a half-hearted or only done when it suits you. It has to be, you know, it, okay, example, there's somebody that really did you wrong. And I mean yeah. really did you wrong. Yeah. And the degree to the depth of that pain is the same degree that that situation is in need of forgiveness and love. Yeah. It's tough. But love wins, and I I, th- I couldn't think of a better way to phrase the the overall message of the music than you did with you know love winning. It's it's perfect. Well, um, and I, I love that you brought in forgiveness because forgiveness is does come from um, a heart of love because yes. um, th- that's the biggest component that our society. Uh, it's easy to write someone off, right? It's it's hey, I could go make friends elsewhere. Or, um, hey, I could write off someone because you did me wrong, but that's uh, that's you're really hiding that that wound, and that wound won't heal until there is that forgiveness. Um, and and we all experience levels of forgiveness, um, but you know it's uh, that is the act of forgiving someone for having uh, done something to you or um, at you or whatever it was. That also brings healing and love to your to anyone's heart. So, um, you know, that was uh, a story. You know, there was a, a moment where, uh, even in my own personal story, I didn't know I was harboring uh, pain from, um, uh, you know, pain from a, a young age until I was in my thirties. And uh, I'm so thankful for my wife for helping me uncover some of that. And it brought healing and forgiveness to me. I was like, wow. And it was nothing she did. It was something that happened when I was a teenager. So she helped. It's, it's amazing what forgiveness can do. I heard a story. Um, I was, I was actually driving home um, to Indianapolis and I heard a story. I was listening to uh, K love it's a Christian radio station. Anyways, uh, this lady went to was going to jail to confront uh, the man who killed her uh, only son. And I, I forget how many days in a row she went to jail, but it was I think it was like sixty some days. And the guy was like, "Lady, stop coming here. Why are you coming here?" He said, "I'm doing this to forgive you and to forgive myself for the the pain that I have in my heart." Um, and, uh, it really speaks of the redemption of what forgiveness does, uh, and brings, uh, healing. So when I heard that story, it was like, oh, it was powerful. It's but anyways. Yeah. My final thought is <clears throat> just sticking on this, this topic of forgiveness and love. Um, I've been on both sides of the extreme when it comes to, Forgiveness. I've uh, so I've been homeless a couple times in my twenties. I've been to jail a few times in my twenties. Nothing violent, nothing sexual. Um, but 
you can imagine the things I had to do to the people I love to get in a situation where homelessness was the only option. Um, no bridges left, no roads left. That was it. And so you can imagine, you know, the things I did to the people that I love to be alone in the world, truly alone. Mm -hmm. um, and I've also had some seriously bad things happen to me, both in my childhood and as a young adult. And so I've been on both sides of the extreme when it comes to forgiveness. And I'll tell you, it feels nice to be forgiven when you sincerely are looking for forgiveness and just for the sake of itself, not for anything personal. But it feels infinitely better to finally forgive somebody and to be free of that thought of constantly reliving what's done to you and the frustration and the anger and hate and despair that can come from that to be released from that is yeah. divine. It, yeah. it really is. And, and that's where I've learned my lesson on the need for forgiveness and love. It hasn't been from being forgiven, even though those had valuable lessons. The real valuable lessons came from the lessons when I forgave. And yeah. the harder it is to do, the more important it is to do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that again, this song is all stemming from the maker. I could talk for hours about the maker. I think you could wow. too. Yeah. Uh, so to wrap up, is there anything that thinking back over our interview that you wanted to touch on a little bit more or expand on at all? You know, uh, the last interview we did talk about the uh, the family when it's not acting like the family. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we want to revisit that. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So um, you're talking about more along the lines of different classifications, so to speak, is is what I'm remembering. There's the family who we've already defined as people who hear the music and apply it to their life, the love. And then there's the 200 show set list analyzer uh, crapping on the current set list, not enjoying themselves. Kind of, is that, is that? No. Uh, well, no, I, I'm more or less talking about when fans, uh, maybe I won't specifically. Uh, Use that word. Yeah. 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 Fans aren't acting like uh, good people. And because and, gotcha. it's, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard for me sometimes to qualify family um, because, because I do have friends who are set list pickers, but they're also really good people and they sure and, sure. and love them. And uh, that I also have friends that uh, act like they are family, but they, um, uh, they don't get the music, uh, so you know. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I remember there was an example. Um, I forget what what brought on the thought, the question uh, last time. Um, but you know, there's. Oh yeah, it was. Um, I said I was in a fraternity, and how sometimes frat guys get a bad rep for following the band. Uh, and for acting like douchebag frat guys that I've heard at a show, I've heard people say that. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not a douchebag 
but I am a frat guy. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, there's a, there's always the exception to the rules. I'm not saying that this yeah, is yeah, that yeah. situation. Yeah, but but um, I was I remember um, uh, Tyler Anderson and I were, uh, and I think it was Thomas Trainer. Uh, we went to Hootie and the Blowfish show. Uh, and I think Bare Naked Ladies opened up for them. There's another blast from the past 90s group that I still love to this day. Uh, oh, man, if I had a million dollars. Oh, there's so many good songs for them. Uh, but uh, their greatest hits album is really good. Uh, actually, it's I think it's called The Rock Circus, but it's basically their greatest hits. Uh, and there's some live stuff in there. But anyways... Um, uh, we, uh, Bare Naked Ladies came on and Tyler and I stood up to start, you know, getting into the music and singing and dancing and whatnot and grooving. And there's these older people and they were easily in their fifties, uh, were yelling, sit down. Like, what are you talking about? Like, sit down. The show's not even started. It's like, well, the show is started. They're acting like a bunch of douchebags. And, uh, I don't even think they were drinking at all, but they're being, just assholes about us standing up in front of them because they were laying down and not ready for the show. And it's, I'm like, this is at a Hootie and the Blowfish concert. Like, like that. So basically it happens everywhere. <laughs> like I, I know it happens at DMV shows and you know, I'm, uh, and you know, I'm a big fish fan too. And some people have the fish family and friends that pH R I E N D S. Uh, and you know, th there's situations that happen, um, all over in all situations. And it's, it's not that the band or the fans are that way. It's that there's always a few people and no matter what group you're in that can ruin it for, for you. And you know, we laughed off this guy and oh, this, so this guy got up as soon as Hootie and Blowfish came on. He got up and got in front of us and was like mocking us, right? Making fun of us and uh, dancing and all this stuff. We're like, dude, just go sit down and go enjoy the show. And we we uh, dissolved his whatever anger that he's coming from. And it's like, enjoy the show. Don't stop focusing on us, guy. Um, he was he was a balding fifty year old guy, and I, I don't I don't know why. But he was acting the way he was acting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there will be future situation that shows that suck. Um, people getting cut in line, uh, you know, I, I, people missing a print because someone, uh, took a print and flipped it in the, at the show. Uh, and, you know, that's one person, but that's not the majority. And, uh, don't let that one person steal your day, right? And that, that's, that's the hard part because we do have so many emotions wrapped up in the band or uh, getting the art or both. And uh, it's, it, you almost have to, uh, uh, like Ted Lasso says, be a goldfish. The goldfish has the shortest memory. Uh, and you almost have to be like a, a goldfish and, and move forward. And and focus on what you can, and and enjoy what you have instead of focusing on what you don't have. Right. Uh, by the way, Ted Lasso and Apple TV love this show. 
Highly recommend it. It's a feel good TV show for now I'm now I'm kind of flipping back and forth between what I originally said would be the title of the podcast to maybe changing it to Love Wins, and now I'm also entertaining Be a Goldfish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the music is uh, the. I think the color is the. Uh, yeah, yeah, it brings color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there's those are the other two that I would I would also consider. I, I like yeah. Love Wins, and I like Be a Goldfish as. as Second and third place. Um, <laughs> all right. So folks, I think that is a, a good place to conclude our interview for this week. Um, thanks to everybody who listened to the first episode and, and stuck around a week later to finish up episode two. Uh, thank you to Joshua for coming on the podcast the first time and then graciously <laughs> coming on the podcast a second time. I honestly believe, uh, I know the listeners aren't going to be able to hear the first podcast, um, but I honestly believe that that this version of our interview uh, kind of touched on some areas that weren't touched on before, and I really enjoyed the outcome of, of the second interview. So, uh, Joshua, I'm going to let you close it out with whatever it is you want to tell the listeners about. It could be um, a message about the music it could be an organization or charity and then also how to find you on social media and i'll let you close out the episode with that so once again thank you so much for coming back on oh drew thank you uh i'm i'm blessed to be asked to come on um and um i, I this is fun even the second time around I, I had a great time so thank you uh, you know, I just want to thank my wife for letting me be crazy DMB fan. Uh, I knew when she started humming songs around that house that I got her, uh, <laughs> or the, the band got her hooked. So, uh, but there's so many people in that I've probably forgot to thank, uh, like my buddy, uh, Robert Swick. I mean, he, he's a buddy of, that's not, on social following everything, but he's, he's actually my wife's like close friend. It's her husband. And as soon as I met him, uh, I was like, Hey, by the way, do you, you kind of like these, this music? Like, do you listen to DMB? He's like, Oh, it's my favorite. Uh, so, you know, there's people like that in my life or Jennifer Clayton and Kate Chase, people from DMB, people in every direction, Facebook group, Pied. Uh, it's a it's a good fun loving group as well. Uh, the poster collectors group and Spusta print addicts. There's so many uh, uh, poster nut bags. There's so many uh, good people out there that uh, the music does bring you to. Uh, but that's everything in life, right? And it's what you focus on is what you get out of it. Um, so I, I look forward to seeing everybody at shows. Uh, hopefully more and more and more to come. Um, but you can find me on Facebook, uh, also at Joshua travels on Instagram. Uh, and, um, I think also Espresso beans, DMB Joshua. Uh, that is, if you know, Espresso Espresso beans, as you know how to find me. So um, thank you again. It, this was a blast, Drew. We'll go from there and uh, everyone make the best of what's around and, and, and uh, take what you can from your dreams. Mm-hmm.
Welcome to the final segment for today. The way I heard it. We know there is such diversity within the DMB family, or community, and for this reason alone, there will be differences in how we all interpret the music and the lyrics. Each week, we select a song and ask several fans to break down the song the way they heard it. Take a listen. Perhaps you would have heard the song in the same way, or perhaps you'll find a new appreciation of the song discussed. Enjoy! Hey everybody, this is Dr. Bob Fusen, and I'm here to talk to you today on The Way I Heard It about JTR. JTR is, for me, one of the, the best songs off the Lily White Sessions. It's, it's one of my favorite live songs. It also has a really interesting history. Uh, most of us know the history of, uh, of, of the involvement with Carlos Santana and how he, it sounded like an old blues song called John the Revelator, which is where JTR comes in. And if you listen to those old versions where he sings the, the John the Revelator interpolation, I, I think that's a really cool thing. I, I, I wish they had incorporated that somehow into what JTR became. But anyway, um, it still became just an incredibly killer live song, and, and its evolution is, is so interesting to me. I remember in 2000, uh, I was a junior in high school, when uh, they started playing those Lily White Session songs live and spending hours and hours waiting for the recordings to download. And then my best friend and I would sit around his computer on WinRAR. I'm really dating myself there, but we'd download these new songs. And, and every one of them was just so incredibly epic. Um, each one was kind of like a miniature before these crowded streets. You know, we think of that album as a uh, magnum opus, a, a really huge artistic achievement, and it is, um, and it definitely has an arc to it. Um, you could almost consider it a prog rock album because it, it does have so much going on. I view the Lily White Session songs as, as each of them as little individual epics. They're just so well-constructed and so well-made. And the version that we first came to kind of know and love off the, the bootleg Lily White Sessions... I think is a really interesting example of how a song can contain two separate ideas or, or two seemingly opposing emotions at the same time. If you listen to that version on the Lily White Sessions, you can very easily hear the anguish and the, 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 uh, the pain in Dave's voice when he sings that. And I, I've said this repeatedly, uh, but it on those sessions, and in particular JTR, it really does sound like somebody just beat the daylights out of him and drug him into the, the booth and made him record those vocals. And it's at such a contrast with the lyrics of the song, which are a lot more uplifting and a lot more, uh, I think, of the carpe diem mentality that we know DMB for. Um, the, the kind of equivocations between opposite ideas, light and dark, and, and the devil and the Lord, and, and all of those things that, that make DMB so special. The live versions are definitely much more in the vein of the lyrics, much happier, the, 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 just the intensity and the emotion of it is so incredible. But I have a really particular fondness for that version on the Lily White Sessions, just because uh, his voice is so pained and so anguished in that version. One of the other things that I really love about JTR is it's such a an oddity. It's an odd song in the way that it's constructed. The opening guitar part is really uh, unusual, unlike anything I've ever heard before. But it has a definite a definite groove to it, a definite kind of pattern that's 
that you don't hear very much. And, and I think, especially with the addition of the 12 string to, to Dave's guitar arsenal there, it, it gives it such a particular vibe, such a really nice kind of twangy guitar vibe at the beginning there. Of course, you can't talk about a DMP tune without talking about the, the incredible drumming of Carter Beaufort, which on this tune is just ridiculous, especially as you get towards the jam. I do like the inclusion of the timbales. Uh, the timbales are they're a, a Latin American instrument. And uh, for, for those of you who may not know all of the musical terms, but the timbales are those those really kind of high-sounding, almost snare-drum-sounding things that he plays on the, the, the little jam in JTR right before, when the lyrics end and right before the sax and everything comes in. Now, as for the jam in, in JTR, um, that particular pattern is one that pops up all over music. You hear it from pep bands at basketball games. It appears in Sleigh Ride by Leroy Anderson, Shihiri Christmas, that that kind of, of chromatic pattern that that end horn jam begins. It's a, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting way to do something old in a new way. Another thing that I love about JTR is you have these DMB tunes that fall into certain categories, right? For example, uh, Tripping Billies is very obviously a Boyd Tinsley feature. Uh, number 41 very heavily features the sax, usually. Uh, Lover Laydown is a sax-heavy song. And then you have these songs where um, it's kind of an open thing, like Jimmy Thing is very much an open jam between violin and guitar and whoever else is soloing. But there are a handful of DMB tunes where... They're just structured as songs. There's no improvised solos. There are no featured soloists. Uh, Rhyme and Reason comes to mind. And JTR is one of those songs. And one of the things that I think makes Leroy Moore such a genius is his ability to write parts for songs. And this is something that I try to do when I'm playing that I've taken directly from Leroy. It would be very easy to just improvise everything that you're doing and to just make it up as you go along and, and see what sticks. But Leroy was very good at writing parts, meaning writing a, a portion of the song that, that doesn't change, that's, that's through composed and stays the same each time it's played. There's a bunch of examples of that in Ants Marching. Uh, coming out of the violin solo is improvised, but then there's that little horn line that eventually is shared with the trumpet, and that's a, a composed part. And so Leroy was so good at that, at finding the right thing for the musical moment, and if that meant doing it that way every time, that's, that's how he did it. And JTR is a great example of that. And one of my favorite examples of that, because it has so much of Leroy's part writing in it. The little in jam that happens is is just such a such a typical Leroy thing. You know, he was so so into interpolating other songs and other melodies, and that little chromatic jam that happens at the end of JTR is, is just one of those Leroy things where he takes something we've all heard a couple times before and transforms it into something else. Uh, it also shifts time signatures a bunch of times. Um, it starts pretty well out of four, but we got some six, eight in there for you musical folks. It, it, it adjusts the groove a, a couple different times. And it, it's just such an interesting and unique song. So much so that I, I kind of understand why they left it off busted stuff. It's, it's, um, it's a really just, 
it's hard to put into words how unique that song is and how d- different it is compared to to the other songs that they've written structurally um just in every way and so i can understand how that might be a chore in the studio to try and get together and and get the right version down the live versions i think are the kind of the standard bear they're they're incredible and i i wish they would play it a lot more than they do in fact there's a couple of lines that Leroy does in the lily white sessions that i think would be really good to interpolate live and occasionally you will hear some some guest artists do that another thing that i love about jtr are the 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 lyrics that kind of juxtapose these things how you need light and dark right how you how you can take joy in something like being rained on and to me that's something that's at the very heart of of dmb is no matter what happens you 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 have to you have to get through it you have to live you have to survive and and you have to do so with joy and JTR is, is a, a really stunning example of that kind of song and that kind of thing in DMB's catalog. Um, gosh, I, I wish it had, had made it onto busted stuff, but that's okay. I, I'm, I remain hopeful it will, it will pop up in another, in another iteration studio wise at some point. Uh, my favorite version of JTR aside from the Lily White sessions, when I was, uh, again, in 2000 in high school, my first official DMB show was at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. And if you were there or you know anything about that show in 2000, you know that it rained a lot, a lot. And it was just a downpour. And so they opened with JTR, and I had never heard JTR uh, live. My, my buddy and I had listened to, you know, the scratchy recordings over the really early 2000s internet, but what an incredible song to hear live in the rain, nonetheless. And it, man, the impact of it. It was, it was a religious experience. It was, it was transporting. It was moving. It was incredible. I'll plug that show also for its version of Gray Street. Uh, the lyrics to Gray Street were still evolving at that point, And there's some really great lyrics on that one about Noah building an ark for all of us because it's raining. And so, yeah, JTR is, is just one of my favorites because it, it really encapsulates everything that DMB is about. The, the Carpe Diem lyrics, the incredible drumming, the incredible parts written by Boyd and Leroy, the, 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 the groove. All of it is, is, just DMB turned up to 11. And so that's why I chose to, to talk about JTR. Uh, one more thing before I, I, I end my little JTR spiel here. There is a petition going around, and some of you may have seen that in Charlottesville, they have removed uh, the statues of Robert E. Lee and some other folks that, that were a, a cause of, of unrest and violence there a few years back. So kudos to the city of Charlottesville for, for, for doing that. But there is a petition going around to uh, replace one of those statues with a statue of Leroy Moore. And this is something that I fully support. Leroy was a, a genius and a titan of American music and probably the most underrated American musician of the last 30 years, easily. His contributions can't be understated. That's been the, the source of my life's work. Um, and I, I can't say enough how important Leroy is to, to, to 
DMB, to American music, to music in general. And I fully support this petition to, to put this statue of him up. I think he needs to be more fully recognized for the things that he's done. The petition is on change.org. It's probably also made the rounds to various Facebook groups or social groups. The author of the petition is Jay Pun, and that's exactly like it sounds. J-A-Y-P-U-N. Jay is a, was a protege of Leroy's, uh, a student of Leroy's. They were very close. And I met Jay when I was writing my dissertation. I interviewed him. And he's just the greatest guy, great guitar player, uh, and a restaurateur. He owns a couple restaurants in Charlottesville. Um, if you're ever in that area, please check out Jim or, or his other restaurant, which the name escapes me right now, but please look it up because it's incredible. Um, but Jay was a protege of Leroy's and sort of knew Rashawn a, a little bit. And, um, he started this petition and I, I, I highly encourage uh, anyone who's a DMB fan to sign this petition. And, and even if you know folks who are not DMB fans, this is a, this is an honor that, uh, Leroy is, is more than deserving of. So I, I hope that, that folks can get behind it and add some signatures and we'll see what happens. Uh, on my end, there are a few other, uh, a few other things I think Leroy deserves that I'm that I'm working on, but this this statue in Charlottesville would be huge. And if you can, please go to change.org, um, look up Jay's petition, and sign it if you feel so inclined. It, it would be great to to pay homage to to the unknown titan of American music, Leroy Moore. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to me. I love to talk about Leroy. You can reach me at bob at bobfusen.com. And if you ever want to chat Leroy, just hit me up. Thanks for listening. We want to give a special thanks to our guests and co-contributors for this episode of the podcast. Without your valuable contributions, we wouldn't be able to continue. We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into the music of DMB and the community that supports them. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching DMB On Demand. Visit us on dmbondemand.com for DMB-related merch and to learn more about DMB On Demand. Until next time, don't burn the day away.